Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. not be like every other couple on the IRT. Will you rob a bank with me? I will, Grim. I will. Hey! I got three more minutes. We're closed, bozo. Let's not mess with me today. What the hell kind of clown are you? The crying on the inside kind, I guess. Oh, Fill this up with regular, please. This is our perpetrator. Every kind, every throat, red nose, and blue hair. It was the perfect crime. Nice. Now... All they need to do is get to the airport. Did we miss the expressway? Getting farther away every second. By car. Oh, we're really making progress now. I saw a sign, Phyllis. Three of them out there shouting with glee. By cab. Airport. Look. Huh? Great. And what did you think of straight to Sing Sing? Hello, welcome to another episode of Rewatchability, part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. I'm Jay McNabb, joined as always by... Robert LaRonde. And... Blaine Waters. And we've got a very special episode for you today. <laughs> I know it's we say always, that every single week. It's always week. special for you, Jim. They're all Love special. It. They're like snowflakes. We drop... We drop a crap one every few weeks, and we let people know. Yeah. <laughs> but th- this one sucks. Go listen to a Mark Maron. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has uh, Bobby McFerrin on. I don't know. You're going to say, what the fuck, listening to this podcast this week? Just go watch it. This is a special one, and I think we've moved into the phase of the pandemic where mm. we're now just picking movies that make us happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think. <laughs> Comfort <laughs> and us. And we are going to be talking about Quick Change, the 1990 comedy directed by Howard Franklin and Bill Murray. Whoa. Starring Bill Murray, Whoa. Gina Davis. And Howard Franklin. No, he's not in it, is he? No. Damn it. And uh, Produced by Bill the- Murray. Yeah. Don't forget that. Also, also stars one of the Quades. <laughs> we don't talk about that much anymore. The lesser Quaid. But, uh, Though Randy's uh, done some shit, too. Didn't he do, like, a shitty Republican video or something? Oh, you mean Dennis. Dennis. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about Sorry, Randy, yeah. So. I, you know, sorry. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I, they do a bad thing, they turn into the Randy Quaid. When they do a good thing, they turn into the Dennis Quaid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they are one. They are legion. Yeah, they're... Sh- there's just one guy who's yeah keeps fluctuating. Yeah, so this is a big movie to do. Uh, we'll talk about when we first saw it in a moment. First, I do want to thank all of our Patreon donors. Thank you. You can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and help kick in a few bucks to keep the show going. Uh, it's 
means you get the show early and ad free. And uh, yeah, we were talking about we did a commentary earlier in the pandemic, but we were talking about maybe doing another one, mm-hmm. uh, another movie commentary. So if you join up, you can still get that old commentary and maybe we'll do another one sometime soon uh, We did because I think that'll be a lot of fun. We did the, the Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade last time. Yeah. Well, that was a, and, a big one. So you never yeah. know what huge movie we could talk about. Yeah. Did they make any of any other movies about that guy? No. Nope. <laughs> no, nope, that was the final <laughs> no. one. There's none in the works last either. One. It's just it's just this <laughs> one. <laughs> no, I hear isn't like Matt, Mads Mickelson going to be in the new one? That gives yeah. me a little it's, bit of hope. I, it's Mads Mickelson and uh, Fleabag. Oh yeah, yeah. I hope that it's, I hope that Fleabag is sexually inappropriate towards Indiana Jones. <laughs> Because that's always funny. <laughs> I, I, ju- I just love that they're just picking people from TV shows yeah. we love. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. It's like they broke into my Netflix and Amazon and just <laughs> selected the right. stars of my Get series. Brian Cranston in there, John Hamm, possibly. Indiana Jones dating Marvelous Miss Maisel now. Like, what? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, God. I hope Phoebe Waller-Bridge is not the uh, romantic. Me too interest yeah uh okay we've gotten a little off topic quick change big movie uh like we talked about rob when did you first see quick change so i don't think that i saw this one i think this was one of the ones that uh passed me by in the night and you know what in my defense this was this came out in 1990 i mean there was like a a fallow period for that means bad right (laughs) for uh for for bill murray and uh i don't know this I don't know. I just missed it. You know, this was before he became like melancholy uh, Bill Murray, before like the wacky celebrity Bill Murray. It just sort of slipped <laughs> under my radar. But we talked about it briefly when we talked about another bank robbery movie over Christmas, Trapped in Paradise, because that also right. has a similar sort of plot, also has some Saturday Night Live alumni. So, I, you know, I was interested to sort of you know, complete that and sort of uh, compare them a little bit. I have to say, this one's a lot better. And uh, no no terrible Mickey Rourke impressions to uh, to weigh it down. Either. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Blaine, what about you? you? You've seen this before. Oh, yeah. I love this movie. And like you said, I think we're just doing movies that make us happy. This movie makes me so happy. I watched this just um, a few months ago when I was feeling down. I just watched it just to feel comfort. And I did. And I watched it again. For this podcast, I just love it. I'll I'll, I'll watch it again tomorrow. You know, um, nice. It, Are you okay though? Work. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna watch it again the next day, and then no, I'm okay. The movie's great. I I put saw... on my makeup, <laughs> turn it on. <laughs> I'm happy. I go to the bank. <laughs> I'm I, smiling. Uh... <laughs> you know those old VHSs with like the yellow stick-on kind of thing on the front where you like tape things off the TV. This was one of those. It was on a tape with Outrageous Fortune in my home, the the Bette Midler mm. movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I also love. That's also. But these were kind of movies that would. This would be the tape that I'd put on in the background when like. I don't know. I was I was supposed to be doing homework or something. I just like put on a movie, and this is one of these movies that was just kind of always on the the rotation at my house that we had taped off TV, and I just absolutely love it. I hadn't thought about it in a long while before I watched it in the winter, and I liked it then. Watched it again now. I I can't wait to talk about it with you guys because I think there's there's some interesting things to talk about in this one, but I still think 
in the end, it's a good movie. What about you, JM? I saw it when I was a kid. I think it was one where I might have talked about this before, but like on one of the local stations, they would play a movie on Friday nights or Saturday nights at like nine o'clock. And then they play the same movie again at midnight. Okay. Uh, right. Often uncensored at midnight. Yeah. I didn't get to talk about this when you guys did Miami Blues, but that was, <laughs> I had that experience where I watched it at nine and then taped the midnight version and got a, a vastly different movie. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <You> would. <laughs> you would. Yeah. So I did that with this movie. I saw it randomly, loved it, taped it, had it on, <laughs> on a tape. I, what's the statute of limitations on that? Because You're we both arrest. had it taped on the TV. <laughs> But I, yeah, I loved it. I remember a few years after I'd seen it, seeing it again in the video store and realizing, like putting two and two together, like I'd seen the video cassette cover before Mm. and didn't realize that that was what the movie was because the poster for this movie is terrible. It's I've never seen it. I've never seen it at all. You've never seen the poster? Oh, it's just them like on a street, but there's all these like wacky things popping in, like a street or a street light post and like a giant bagel. And, like, <laughs> oh, it's God. awful. Okay. I, I don't remember like, the giant bagel. It's like a nineties, you know, like right. Right. gimmick restaurant kind of aesthetic. Yeah, it looks like the menu for like a novelty restaurant in <laughs> nineteen eighty nine or something. It's bad. But the point is I, I realized that that's what the movie was. I always loved it. I did see it again. About like 10 or 12 years ago, I went when there was still like a a little video store down the street from where I lived. I remember going with my wife and we didn't know what we were going to watch. And just randomly, we were both like, quick change. Let's watch quick change. (laughs) And they didn't have it on DVD. I don't even know if it was out on DVD, but they had like a rack of, you know, maybe 20 VHS tapes or something that they were getting rid of because they were converting all to DVD. And I remember thinking... Well, let's just check to see. I'm sure they won't have quick change because it's, you know, not a huge movie. So we went and looked. And I remember they were mostly videotapes of <laughs> Shelley Duvall's fairy tale theater. <laughs> which, awesome. Which, yeah, which in retrospect, I should have bought yeah. all of. But one of them was quick change. <laughs> so I, I couldn't believe my luck. Nice. So I bought it and I probably still have somewhere that VHS copy of quick change. That's awesome. Um, that's wow. cool, yeah. And it is, it's, it's, I should mention, it is coming out on a Blu-ray oh, at the end of this month. Nice. So, and I, so I was already thinking about it because I, I saw that was coming out. I was thinking about picking up the Blu-ray. And so, and Blaine, you randomly suggested this movie. And then on top of that, I, we started, we were talking about doing this, but we just did a comedy last week. And then I was talking with my wife. I said, what, what do you think we should do for the podcast? And out of nowhere, she said, quick change. Whoa. <laughs> It was meant it's to be. Just, that's a lot of it's coincidences. Yeah. But, and she didn't know about the Blu-ray either. They're just putting something in the drinking water to promote this Blu-ray or something. <laughs> you should rob a bank. <laughs> I think I that's should. That's what the universe Wait, is telling no. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not a movie. I feel like uh, this movie, this one, this episode won't get clicked on a lot. I just feel have that feeling because I don't think a lot of people have seen this movie, but I feel like there are diehard fans, and, and you and I are, are probably in that uh, in that group, J.M. I think people have seen it. I don't know. I Yeah, this was a movie for a long time where 
it was my go-to answer if someone said like, "What's a good comedy I may not have seen?" Yeah, my answer would be Quick Change. Yeah, because yeah, it kind of went under the radar when it came out, but I think it has had such a cult following in in recent years. Well, I don't that, think that more and more people that I had heard of it, other than you guys talking about it, and you know, like, oh really? Yeah, yeah this is and, what I mean. Yeah, and like, there's something there's something Should we under pull an the Audible and talk about the Matrix or something. <laughs> <laughs> the what? <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's something about this movie that's a little bit under the radar, even though like there's a lot of great stuff in it. It has a great cast. It's really funny. But like even the title, like Quick Change, it's not really descriptive or like it doesn't pop out at you in the way that like a movie that stars like Bill Murray and uh, yeah, I'm I mean, on their name. No, Clown Robber just didn't uh, test well with the audiences. So. <laughs> <laughs> they can't no, but I mean, get out of New York movie. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I don't know. There could have been some. There's got to be some like something that's a little bit more evocative of like what of like the craziness of this movie. But it's just it just fits the movie so well. Like not only are they robbing a bank to make quick change, they have to do some quick changes out of costumes in the other costumes. Well, and then they have I to think, have no, make I think change there's... to get on the bus. Like, and then Bill just, Murray yeah. changes very quickly at the end. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. But yeah, no, it's it's for sure the change for the bus scene. Coupled with the fact that that's the whole scheme is you know changing, um, changing out of the clown outfit. Yeah, I think it's a great title. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it doesn't make it stand out from any number of other like you know generic movies with a robbery, like Trapped in Paradise, or yeah. That's why I they mean, had to it... put the giant pretzel on the poster. <laughs> you said it was a bagel. No, I said pretzel. Oh, now that's I'm hungry. Why. <laughs> All right, well let's get let's get into the rundown. Rob, what what happens in this movie? Okay, so it starts on a subway, lots of normal people, and a clown, just a typical subway ride it happens every day. And uh no, I mean, this clown is he's he's not just like it's not a I'm not insulting him. I'm not saying that this person is a clown, though he is a comedic figure. It is Bill Murray, but he is dressed up like a clown. We don't know why. He has the balloons in his hand. And, you know, he, when he gets off the subway, it's, it's comical because he's squeezing be- between people who are trying to get on. And, you know, the balloons are floating there. And it's very funny. But also tragic if you've been on the subway because you, you feel that. But he, he, he's going to, to a bank. He gets there just as the bank's about to close. And he sticks his giant foot in the door. And uh, this is funny, right? It's a comedy. And then, uh, <laughs> but the bank's about to close, but he flashes a gun, and the security guard is convinced to let him in. And he says, this is a robbery. That doesn't really get anybody's attention, so he says it with a little bit more oomph. And nobody really listens, so he, he shoots a couple rounds, and this thing has started. It's a robbery. We've seen this a million times before. We know how it goes. There's hostages. There's you know people cowering. There's money that has to go into a duffel bag and all that. Except obviously the clown thing is a little bit different. Though I mean sometimes <laughs> I mean there's sometimes there's the clowns. The Joker robbed a bank, right? Mm-hmm. That was a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah, think yeah. that was a quick change tribute? 
I think it was an homage <laughs> to uh, the to this fabulous movie. No, you, yeah, you, it wouldn't work with the Joker because then they'd be like, "Well, that one hostage had those giant scars <laughs> in the shape of a smile." <laughs> he kept grabbing people and asking why they were so serious. It was just a weird guy, weird guy. Uh, but what you're saying, Rob, there is some kind of like eye rolly stuff at the beginning of this movie and throughout this movie that is kind of like baked into the plot. Because we've seen so many movies like this since and, and afterwards, robbery movies, heist movies. And so we kind of know the formula. But I I do think that Bill Murray carries the beginning of this movie on his shoulders so well, just with his like dry acerbic wit. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, it's the most famous line in the movie, but when he first pulls out the gun and the guard says, what kind of clown are you? And he says, crying on the inside kind, I guess. (laughs) It's great. It's so good. But I mean, this bank robbery, I mean, not everything is going 100% already. I mean, there's this one goofball, this like bearded hillbilly, like Randy Quaid type who... (laughs) With a giant crazy beard like the one Randy Quaid would eventually grow. <laughs> yeah, he he is freaking out and uh and whining and you know causing a big commotion and eventually, you know, it's a big thing. Like this is a robbery and the hostage situation like you know, it's a big scene. Like outside everybody's sort of uh, coming to watch, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a entertainment event, you know. It's like, uh, it's like the Oscars or something. All yeah, these it's like people. A it's it's kind of like uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Well, yeah, know, for sure. It becomes like a little street party outside the, uh, the bank. There's even like a scene where like all these hot dog vendors are like racing their carts to the scenes. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Funny. Well, and because it is a show, like uh, Bill Murray the Clown is putting, Chip the Clown is putting on a show for the audience outside because uh, he talks to that cop who is the hostage negotiator and makes all these kind of crazy demands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he demands like a bus and two helicopters and a motorcycle and a monster truck. Right. So everyone's like, yeah, the monster truck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have been more specific. I would have asked for Grave Digger. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the production couldn't afford Grave Digger. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Try to run, you won't get five feet. Yeah. Well, you tell your men just one bullet could hit some dynamite and blow up the whole street. I've planted it everywhere. Don't you think I know how you plan to get out of there? You switch on a tape recorder, I'm talking to a machine while you crawl out through the third floor heating vent. Not a bad plan, except... I couldn't fit with all this money, and besides, I've booby-trapped the vents with heavy explosives. Come on, dog! Get out of there! God, I hate this town. We should mention the cop is played by the great Jason Robards. Mm-hmm. And what's his name? Ratzinger? Rotzinger? Yeah, I think Rotzinger. Rotzinger. Yeah, and he's he's uh, really great. And, you know, this movie, so I think, is really unique in that, like, yeah, it pl- obviously, like, Bill Murray and Gina Davis and uh, Randy Quaid are comedic, but, like, he's, like, so straight that... I find it like really funny and also like just really like interesting, you know, in the way that it, you know, seems like more reminiscent of like a straight movie from like the 80s or the 70s. Like he's a very like, you know, very natural performance. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of so funny that he's playing this cop from 
almost like a completely different movie and doesn't realize that he's in a comedy, which kind of makes it even funnier. Well, that's the th- thing. You could make this a drama and just – you nothing would have changed. You would have still cast Jason Robards in that yeah. part. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This could have been a gritty 70s drama and, you know, mm-hmm. had him in the same role. Yeah, exactly. But so he, you know, he has all these people hostage and he says he's going to release one hostage for each of his demands that they meet. So, you know, they bring, uh, I think, the bus and he uh, releases a hostage and he, he lets all the hostages decide democratically who they're going to leave and or who they're going to let leave. And they decide to let the disgusting fellow who is by that point <laughs> vomiting into a leather glove. <laughs> uh, yeah, I sound. I, and I, lo- I love how they play it, how he like gets angry at him and is like, I could just shoot anyone right now. How angry you're making. It's, it's just kind of over the top and, and fun so that uh, you kind of are on to what they're doing before they're even doing it in this movie. I don't think like even as a kid, I don't think I was like really surprised to, when they were released together and they were all bank robbers together. Like I was like, oh, this is like they're kind of all working together even now. Mm, yeah, I- exactly. Yeah. And there's also, yeah, a conspicuous tall blonde woman who, uh, you know, gets into like a little fight with Bill Murray. And uh, so then when more demands uh, are met, they sort of send out more hostages. And yes, it is Bill Murray uh, disguised as a dweeb and uh, and and Gina Davis. Yeah. So they're out of the bank. They've they have the money. They they're all in it together, and they're all celebrating uh, out by some pier or something. We we hear their plan. They're going to get on a plane to somewhere, somewhere nice, <laughs> yeah, paradise, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's great. And also, by the way, Bill Murray and Gina Davis are a thing, which good for him because cause... Randy Quaid and Gina Davis aren't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I thought I thought this was this was a uh, thruple situation. Nope. <laughs> it is yeah. kind of a parent-child situation a lot throughout this, in a in a weird, uncomfortable way. A little later, with Randy Quaid, really? uh, I didn't think it was uncomfortable because we find out very shortly that Gina Davis is pregnant with Bill Murray's child. Mm-hmm. She's trying to tell him, and. Uh, this kind of becomes looking after Randy Quaid as they try to escape becomes like a know, surrogate. The, kind of, yeah. Yeah. The surrogate child. And like, I, I can't even remember what I was listening to, but someone was talking about on a podcast or something, how the movie due date is that same kind of thing. It's like, mm. it's just not, it's not a great movie. And, uh, incidentally directed by a guy who made another famous clown, <laughs> crime movie. but it, it's, you know, it's the story of Robert Downey Jr. Trying to get home to, for the birth of his child and also having to look after this man child who is kind of like, you know, preparing him for fatherhood. Mm. In a way. He's oh, Gina um, totally. And, 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 but I like that the movie does that, but they also kind of like call attention to it. Like, it's not like the characters aren't aware of that comparison mm-hmm. oh yeah they make fun of it all the way through i just i just found it weird on the bus when randy quaid was just like nuzzling into her chest a lot i just it's just weird but then they they call attention to they it they do like, call it bill murray says it. something like we should really get him onto formula <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like, exactly yeah 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 so they're 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 free they're going to go to the airport they get in their car but they they miss the exit or something, and they, they there's a sign. They can't figure out where they're supposed to go. They ask for directions, 
Nobody can tell them where to go. Everybody's fucking useless. Oh, I mean, they can tell well, them where if, to go, but uh, it's not the bridge. Right. The problem is if you go downtown in any major American city in a movie between 1985 and 1995, you will get lost and trapped <laughs> in a Kafkaesque hell. It's true. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. <laughs> they, thank God they, uh, they, they, they opened the uh, exit to those Kafkaesque hells, you know, in the 90s. <laughs> well, they the got Google Maps. Planning. To, to get at them out, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, so they get – they ask somebody for directions and this person – I mean he seems – Bill Murray has this guy's number because he seems too nice. Also, he calls the glove compartment the glove. So, I mean that's a that's a red flag, right? <laughs> just shortening it? <laughs> it's just Don't weird. shorten it. No, no, it's, yeah. it's a compartment. But yeah. he robs them. I think he takes their like costumes or their, their clothes, right, that they were going to change well, to. He has their suitcases. Right, yeah. I think, with their clothes in it. But they, he doesn't, he steals their wallets, but doesn't realize that they're, you know, taped to their bodies is, you know, a million dollars. So he yeah. takes the, whatever's in their wallets. But there's some like, good, like, play with it. They're like, you know, oh, that, that shot. Came into some too. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the shot of, like, the money sticking out of the shirt to, like, back up to be like, let's look at how much money you got. And then you see the wallet, and you're like, oh, he hasn't even seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. good. But so they end up going back to their old apartment to get some clothes to change into before they go to quick the airport. Yeah. yeah, but not quick enough because <laughs> they get confronted by <laughs> the new quick. the new person, Bill Hartman, who oh, you know, yeah, yeah, he's great, so great. Yeah, it's a it's a funny scene. Now turn around, face the window. Okay, but it's still our apartment. We'll have to have you arrested. Oh, Jesus. Grim, our plane takes off in 41 minutes. Quiet! No codes. Hey, honey. Ready to celebrate? Oh, my God. They were ripping off the TV when I came in. Oh, I was touching it. Kill me. Turn around. Oh, great, Hal. For once, it was going to be fun. We were going to eat on the floor, drink champagne... Listen to old records. Why are you blaming me? We haven't even moved the bed in, and already it's the same. I love this whole scene. And, I mean, Phil Hartman's hilarious, obviously. But, like, <laughs> you know, Phil Hartman pulls a gun on them because he thinks they're robbing him. And uh, Bill Murray tries to talk him down and explains they're, like, <laughs> moving to a small place in Woodstock. And he's like, <laughs> I suppose you don't believe that either. And then Phil Hartman just, like, really deadpan is like... I was at Woodstock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I love that line also, like, um, you went from Woodstock to Charles Bronson in 20 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Can I say for a minute, I love movies where Bill Murray is just Bill Murray. Oh, yes. yeah. Which sounds sounds like every movie, but it's really not. Because in so many Bill Murray movies, he's playing, like, a big dummy or like an exaggerated asshole. Mm -hmm, like yeah. in this, he's just kind of a guy. Like I would imagine Bill Murray is, it kind of reminds me of like, like I didn't see stripes until like 10 years ago. It may have even been with you guys. I can't remember, but like the first, like, 15 or 20 minutes of stripes is just like him and Harold Ramis, just like being guys in the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before they go to like the military camp, I loved that movie. I just wanted to see Bill Murray kind of be himself yeah. in this like urban comedy setting. So like, yeah, I, I love movies like this where he's just kind of reacting to the things with this sort of acerbic wit and kind of natural delivery. Is, he's not 
too broad in any sense. Is this like a genre of movie, just like the hangout movie, where you just get to hang out with somebody you like and would like to hang oh, out with? Oh, it's most definitely a hangout movie. Like, or that's most definitely a genre. I mean, there's tons of like, you know, the most recent one was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't think people realized that was going to be a hangout movie until we all saw it. And like, right. Mm. And that was kind of, you know, I think that, you know, Tarantino was based that on other hangout movies like, you know, Rio Bravo and like, you know, there right. are tons of movies where you just want to be with uh, those characters. I think, th- I think the plot in this is a little too wacky to call it a hangout yeah. movie, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there's so much going on and it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like supernatural, like what is happening to these people because everything seems to go right for them. And then everything goes wrong for them. Like, while they're being held up by Phil Hartman, they're watching their car be sort of moved by the firemen uh, because there's a fire next door. And then their car backs off into down down the hill into a, into a ditch or something. And, uh, you know, it just can't go right for them. And and I love I love Bill Murray's reaction to all this. I love all their reactions to all of it, frankly. I, I just I love those movies where people, such bad things happen to them, and they go, okay. What next? Mm-hmm. I just it it kind of teaches you a little bit that life is uh, is a series sometimes of bad things oh, happening. Shit. And, it's just and shit you, after oh. shit. And and you just you just gotta roll with it. You just gotta make a joke and move you just on. Just gotta say motherfucker and keep going. I love Gina yeah. Davis's well, reactions too. Maybe just yeah. because you know they they seem more unexpected coming from her, but she's uh she's great. Oh, she's so good. She's so good. They're all so good. All three of them. It's true. Even I mean, Randy Quaid. R- Randy Quaid, you know, he went uh, somewhere that I don't want to follow him. <laughs> he's <laughs> still lost I, in New York right now. He's probably in Toronto somewhere. I know I've told the story on the podcast before of how I dined on a patio next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, right. In in the midst of, of, you know, him dominating the news after he fled to Canada. <laughs> but but yeah, I do love those movies where like, yeah, it's all in one night and nothing can go right. I mean, like I'm thinking of like Adventures in Babysitting and the most obvious one is After Hours right. where it is just kind of this like the surreal alignment of forces that prevent our, our heroes from getting where they need to go. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And like in this movie, it's like a perfect sort of coat hanger to hang like Bill Murray reacting and Gina Davis sort of reacting and yeah and also like the relationships between these people because like the relationship between Gina Davis and Bill Murray is like kind of interesting because you know as soon as well I mean as soon as they've done the robbery and everything is going great for them or should be things start not going great in their relationship like she wants to tell Bill Murray this thing. He's not really listening. And then she's also irked by his increasingly criminal tendencies. Like, the first thing is at the bank where this guy wants to bribe him with his watch, which is an expensive watch. And instead, he sort of does this, like, trade where he pays him, like, you know, 300 bucks for a $12,000 watch and then, you know, walks out with this douchebag's watch, which is kind of great because fuck that guy, right? But... <laughs> You know, I, I have a good, I have a good behind the scenes story about that watch a little later. <laughs> cool, cool. But so she, she doesn't even want to tell him anymore about her her news that she's pregnant, and she's just increasingly unhappy and in saying that she's not even going to go with them when they go to 
whatever uh, tropical paradise they were going to. Yeah, and and I I like kind of how complex their relationship is because it kind of starts out strong they're a little bonnie and clyde but then by the end of it she's like you've totally changed as a person when really the entire time he's just been a serbic bill murray mm-hmm. and i don't think has acted one bit of this movie at all yeah the, i i don't know for me that i think it worked because gina davis is great but i was i did find it a little strange that she was like you've changed it's like really he's just been acting no. like garfield yeah. For minutes. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah, uh, this uh, movie. I will say. Oh, sorry. Go well, ahead. I was going to say this movie does fall fall into some iffy territory when it gets to the uh, taxi driver played by Tony Shalhoub. Well, I was going to say even before that, like we start to get like I mentioned Adventures in Babysitting a minute ago, and this has the same kind Do of they thing. Go to where blues it's like Club? This, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but like the scary downtown is like. Oh yeah, other cultures. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, this movie is like a metaphor for white flight, you know? It's like right. the first thing is that they're like standing in the middle of the city and, you know, a bunch of Latino kids drive by making some noise and they're like, oh, yeah. I hate this city. And then like, yeah, there's all this other stuff too. Like in the movie, that's really uncomfortable. Like at one point, Randy Quaid jumps out of Tony Shalhoub's taxi and runs into a newsstand and... The uh, the guy running the convenience store who is Korean or something, he just sort of like, you know, calls the cops about this dead person without even like caring. Like all these uh, like the people of color in this movie are just wallpaper, not not people. I I mean, I see I see what you are saying there, but I also think that it's kind of like you could see it as a commentary on like the fact that these neighborhoods have seen it all. And so these kind of crazy things that these three white people are experiencing are just like that happens every day to other people in this city and that's why they don't bat an eye but i totally see what you're saying they are not well-drawn people and i love tony shalhoub i think he's he's one of the greatest i mean he's great he it's a amazing so performance good. that is like pretty racist you know? <laughs> it's, it's super racist and but, but he plays it, it, it so like, well like with great subtlety he plays it he plays it so well that it almost loops back around to being okay because he injects this cartoonish character with like so much pathos yeah, and humanity. Exactly. You just you just want to hold him, be like, "It's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right." But you know, even before that, when, when they when they first get lost, there's that scene where they stumble upon like a a bicycle jousting match. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, first of all, where that's one awesome. Of, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Like I'm so conflicted because it's it's this amazing surreal moment where they're like, "What did we just see?" Because one of the guys seemingly dies, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like I think supposed to imply like, "Oh, this is something from like another culture mm-hmm. where things are more barbaric," mm-hmm. and now that's like intruded into New York City or something like that is kind of the implication as much as the scene is wonderfully bizarre and hilarious. It it does have that vibe. And also, you know, like we were saying the whole Bill Murray arc of like, I hate the city. I want to get out of the city coupled with (laughs) having all of these like moments of like (laughs) odd diversity (laughs) sprinkled throughout the movie does create this kind of uncomfortable implication that maybe wasn't the intention because they also do complain about gentrification like 
an interesting thing about this movie that I didn't necessarily remember was how they parallel the Bill Murray character with the Jason Roberts character because he is also sick of the city mm. and they both complain about like an old building being torn down and you know new condos or something being put up in the in its place mm-hmm. right so I, I I don't think you know I don't think it's intentional the sort of racist stuff we've been talking about but it's definitely there mm. it's definitely there like every character that they're afraid of in this movie is a different right like the even the woman at the end like la muertos oh my um, god yeah like, also though amazing though i love that that like great it's character. a streetcar to uh streetcar uh named desire reference yeah and it's 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 so great but it's also like they're afraid of her yeah <laughs> she's of a different culture and so like yeah I, i'm with you jay right. i don't think it was like meant to be that way but i think it was ingrained in the brains of these writers and directors yeah um, i mean yeah it's it's a problem but it is also like it goes along with a lot of scenes of just truly bizarre white characters as well like i mean there's the bus driver mm-hmm. at the end yeah, and you true. know the guy with the guitar and like i think they are just supposed to they're, they're trying to show that the city is just full of all of these oddballs i mean for me it kind of had the opposite impact like especially you know after a year of like quarantine and and not having a nightlife it it made me long for like those nights where you're out late and you encounter all of these oddballs and you know, <laughs> random random yeah. strangers yeah. the city like, kind of feels alive instead of just this like husk of something that you exist yeah in. yeah yeah totally yeah uh yeah, so – but going back to what I was saying before, I did think it was interesting, yeah, how much they make the Bill Murray character like the Jason Robards character. Even They even have them, like, repeat lines that each other said. Oh. They have – Jason Robards at one point, like, reaches out and holds the other cop's hand and, like, pulls him along like Bill Murray did in the bank mm. with uh, with one of the hostages. This movie is, like, a know. prototype for heat. <laughs> They're the same. <laughs> They're the same. Bank robberies. Are they yeah. ever in the same scene together? Just once? Yeah. Well, it's also we should probably get to the ending, but it's it's it is nice that like they both win. Yes. Like it's a cops and robbers story where they both come out on top, mm. which goes to what you were saying, Blaine, about it being like a comforting movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah, everyone kind of wins in it. Yeah, well, um, yeah. So I mean they they at one point they run into this warehouse to seek refuge, and it turns out that it's you know, it's a congregation of mobsters and they sort of bluff their way into getting their money as <laughs> you know they say that they're picking up money it's for stanley tucci it is it's stanley, stanley tucci. tucci answers at the door yeah so great he's amazing and uh yeah but he they fool them and eventually they get this money and they go and they're about to get on the bus and then the the gangster guy, the real gangster guy, comes, and then it's a whole big kerfluffle, and then they're on their way to the airport. But, uh, yeah, it's a big – it's a big, and then, you know, it seems like the cops are on their way. Gina Davis has decided that she's not going to go with him, and Bill Murray wants to convince her. But he, instead of, like, you know, being nice to her and uh, – <laughs> You know, listening to her and stuff like that, and uh, being vulnerable, yeah. Whatever the stuff you're supposed to do, <laughs> he he scares her by being like, "Oh, you're gonna get caught, and then you're gonna be in jail, and how's your kid gonna be when you're in jail?" Which is a uh, dick move, Bill Murray. It's a dick yeah. Move. 
Graham, I'm thinking of the baby. He'll be about three when you get out. Those foster families are great. Unless you get a mercenary or a religious nut, and he'll be able to visit you, and you'll be able to show him how to make license plates. Jesus! Thank God you're reaching out to me with love and understanding instead of just trying to scare me. It's all I have time for. Now, one of us has to take Loomis and push him. Why don't you? The men's room, Grim. I'm gonna freak out if I don't get this money off me. Shit. But she also, he, she says, this is what you're gonna say to me? And he's like, this is all I have time for. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I do get that. Yeah, and then, you know, when they're going... <laughs> well, I've been there. <laughs> I only have time to be a dick right now, baby. Listen, marry me in the next two minutes, okay? Or else you're going to... No, uh, yeah, they're on this kind of, like, moving escalator, and, and he's like, what could I have... What could I have said? And and uh, and Randy Quaid is like, you could have told her you loved her. And he's like, oh, oh. now you tell me. Like we kind of realize that he does love yeah. her. It's just been a shitty, shitty day. Um, I I like when he looks back though. It's so pathetic and sad. <laughs> but then we we haven't even talked about Kurtwood Smith. No, yeah, at the airport. Yeah, one of the one of the greatest villains of all history. Yeah, RoboCop, Red Foreman. Yeah. I know he's so. That's good. all you need. And he's kind of a jerk a, that we see. We're like, ah, we don't know who he is. But we have heard about this mobster that's coming into town that might be, like, claiming territory again that Bill Murray said he worked for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when Jason Robards comes to board the plane to look for the thieves, uh, Bill Murray, this is actually at the point where he has decided he's had his quick change and he's decided to go look for Phyllis, Gita Davis, and Fix the whole thing, you know. Forget about what happens. Forget the consequences. But it turns out she's just in the bathroom, hmm? and uh, <laughs> and yeah, and you know, like two men writing this. Like, where should the woman be? I don't know. She's like powdering her nose. Or but something. where's the other woman with her? <laughs> but Bill Murray, you know, Jason Robards is fighting with Kurtwood Smith, and Bill Murray does the good thing and helps Jason Robards. Get the bad guy, even though, you know, it might mean that he gets caught and all that stuff. And uh, he's like, hey, Gina Davis, I did the good thing. And uh, then she has to take him back. It's the law. Well, and she (laughs) actually kind of captures the bad guy because she knocks him out. That's true. By opening the door. Yeah, it's teamwork. How forceful do you open a bathroom door usually in life? I always do it very forcefully. I need to get out of here. Yeah, it's a good thing he was a mobster being wrestled to the ground, and not just like an old man who had fallen. <laughs> I know, just like snap. Oh, was that his neck? Oh my god. Yeah, but then they he gets the bad guy. He asks him, you know, let's Bill Murray. What's your name? I want to send you a special commendation. He tells him. He goes off into the sunset. He gets his his win that he needed so dearly at the end of his career, and then he realizes that Bill Murray. Was the clown. And that's the quick yeah. change. And that's the rest of the story. Well, it's also nice because the other cop called the press. So, like, Jason Robards yeah. gets the credit for... Because he's also been, like... <laughs> I love that scene where the bank manager explicitly tells him <laughs> that the bank is going to blame it on his incompetence. But, like, he does so so deadpan. It's yeah. So yeah. Great. It's amazing. Um, anyways, that's So it. good. Okay, well... That was great, Rob. Thank you for that. Oh, no problem. Anytime. You know. Have we ever we... thanked Rob for doing a rundown before? <laughs> I think that was the first no. time. 450 Rob... episodes. 450 <laughs> rundowns. This is the first thank you I get. <laughs> rundown at the best, of Rob. 
I've changed like Bill Murray in this movie. Okay, well, then I forgive Uh, you. (laughs) Okay, thanks. We'll be right back. I've got some trivia questions for you guys and some behind-the-scenes stuff right after this. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're talking about Quick Change, the, the Bill Murray movie. There might be something else called Quick Change. I don't know. There, there's a short uh, I saw from 1930 or something. I don't know. Yeah. So we're not talking about the short from 1930. We're talking <laughs> about the uh, the Bill Murray comedy. I don't don't forget uh, Gina Davis. I feel like Gina Davis pulls a lot of the weight here. She really she does. does. Yeah. And she's amazing. I kind of, she's like one of the greatest comic actors of like her, her generation, of like the 80s and the 90s. Just like thinking back to like, all the great performances she's given, like Beetlejuice, yeah, like Beetlejuice and The Fly. Yeah. Like, they're so iconic. Yeah. She's amazing. And she's amazing she's in really this. She's really good. Yeah. I really love Gina Davis. And, and she's a fucking Olympic archer. I know. So, oh, it's crazy. She, <laughs> she is a gift. She could, she could shoot you with a bow and arrow in the heart. <laughs> and she has. And you die. Yeah. And literally. Yeah. In some people's places. Yeah, she's great. I do think, like, her character... I'll, None of the characters are really that, you know, elaborately drawn, but I think her, like, fickleness with Bill Murray is a little, a bit of a hard sell, and I think she mostly pulls it off, even though I think it's maybe a little underrated. Yeah, it kind of sucks, I mean, like, for so many of her roles, that she's sort of, like, the person who is supposed to be, uh, is supposed to reflect the guy, you know, like, yeah, you know, it just sucks. But she does so much with it, and, you know... Mm-hmm. I, her personality just like really shines through in all of her performances, like Bill Murray does. So it's just like it's so great to see her in anything because you you're, you're seeing Gina Davis be Gina Davis at her best. Totally couldn't agree more. All right, I've got some questions for you guys. Whoever gets the most right can stay on the podcast. Okay. Whoever doesn't has to go forever. <laughs> oh my god! Time to sabotage. Myself. Okay, which Oscar-winning <laughs> director was originally going to helm this movie? Francis Ford Coppola. Not even close. <laughs> Roberto <know>. Benini. <laughs> what? No. Okay, uh, Oscar-nominated director. And he was... Wait, did you say nominated or, or winning? Oscar-winning. And was it? Be, did he win before this movie or after? I don't think he'd won before. He definitely won after. Very shortly, or maybe even the same year this movie came out, come to think of oh, okay. Clint Eastwood. Or for a movie, no, wait, maybe it wasn't the same year. Or around the same time. Uh, Steven Spielberg. No? Oh, yeah, it would have been, would have been a couple of years after this, the actual ceremony. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, well, okay, because I looked it up, it was for the 1991 film, The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, right, Jonathan- yes. Jonathan Demi. Really? Yeah. yeah. He can do this? That's crazy. Yeah. At one point, yeah. All right, they approached them, and he dropped out because he was doing Silence of the Lambs. But and so, also, the guy with the guitar is the same guy who plays Miggs, the guy who throws his semen at <laughs> Clarice. 
Oh is it God. the same character? Is, you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Did he get? Maybe. He took that six thousand bucks. After, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did too yeah, much that's drugs. The new life he started. Yeah. <laughs> Number two. So we mentioned that this was directed by Bill Murray and Howard Franklin, who also wrote the screenplay. Yeah, basically, I think it was like I guess they wanted Demi that fell through, and Bill Murray was like, "Hey, let's. Why don't the two of us just do it?" Because they were the ones developing the screenplay. So it was the first time they had worked together. I think they just kind of got paired up by their agency and uh, and hit it off. But it wasn't the last thing they worked on together. What other two Bill Murray movies did Franklin work on? I know on? this. It's um, Larger Than Life mm-hmm. and The Man Who Knew Too Little. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what sense. he did on both of them? He was the director, right? No, he well, he directed Larger Than Life, but didn't write it. Okay. But he wrote The Man Who Knew Too Little, but didn't direct oh. it. Oh, I always get Larger Than Life mixed up with Operation Dumbo Drop. Me too, every time. It came out around the same time, and it was like one of those like you had to pick one. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> I think you I saw them both. Didn't go see both. Did you? Yeah. Okay, answer For a buddy's me, life. I, you know. Yeah, because well, I remember okay, no those speak. particular yeah. movies. I remember not being great, and I think like those are the movies that like made me sort of worry about Bill Murray because I was like, Bill Murray used to be really funny and now he's just making these stupid movies. What's wrong? And then he made stuff like Rushmore and sort of became like, you know, moved on yeah. to the next stage of his career. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, in like, yeah, in the mid-90s, he was just like popping by Space Jam. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was... You think uh, he's back for this, for the sequel? I don't think so. I don't He'll I don't be in there know. with Alex and the Droogs. <laughs> Yeah, maybe his character from uh, Quick Change will be represented (laughs) in the uh, Warner Brothers pantheon of characters that appear in the background of that film. Okay, this movie was based on a novel by Jay Cronley. Wow. One of his books was also the basis for a Chevy Chase movie. Do you guys know which Chevy Chase movie? It's it's not Fletch. It's not Fletch 2. Ross McDonald or something. Yeah, I read Fletch books. I read like seven of those books. They're pretty good. Seven. There's wow. so many of oh, those books. Do, There's so many of those. We books. should do Fletch on the show. I love yeah. Fletch. I, yeah, the book is very, like, very much sadder than the movie. <laughs> Let's just continue the trend of <laughs> of old comedies that make us feel slightly less hopeless. <laughs> I like it. It's everything I, I like need. It. I Chevy no, Chase. Chase movie based on a book. Jay Cronley. Also, that sounds like a fake name. Jay Cronley. It was the pen name for... Uh, what was it? John Updike. Was it a recent movie or was it an old movie? No, that's not true. Oh, it was an, an old, old movie. movie. He's not allowed to do movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he has. He's done like the comeback trail and he does like movies about old comedians that are trying to get their comeback. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. I thought uh, I thought he there was like the New York essay on him or whatever i thought that was it for him man he had a cameo in that paul hogan (laughs) movie where he plays himself i guess news that he's a jerk hadn't gotten to australia yet (laughs) no they're ahead of us so he's already died there so that's why it's okay (laughs) yeah i don't know i can't think of i can't think of it it is the movie funny farm oh Mm. funny farm i used to get that mixed up with funny pit they're different movies. Right. 
Yeah, that was based on a book, apparently, by the same guy. So, okay, so Jay Cronley also wrote the the book that this movie was based on, and that book was already made into a movie before Quick Change. Why? Know that? No. It was made into a French Canadian movie. Sacre bleu. Yeah. Uh, called Hold Up in 1985. Oh wow! Uh, a French Canadian. Yeah, the posters got like dollar bills flying, you know, towards the front of it, and you can see like the Wilfred old like, twenty dollar bill with the. Oh, the queen. No, it's got the queen, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it was a French Canadian movie starring Jean Paul Belmondo mm. and Kim Cattrall. Oh yeah. <laughs> Kim Just a Cattrall. real Mad Libs of casting. No, uh, Kim Cattrall is amazing because she has like this like amazing oh, yeah. you know career in like Canadian B movies and then Sex in the City. Oh no, Kim Cattrall's great. I'm just saying like her and Jean Paul Belmondo oh, yeah. in an 80s French Canadian crime movie. Very random. Did, and did you sure. watch the trailer I, for this movie? Did you see anything of it? Oh, I did better than that. I watched some of the movie. Oh, oh man, how was wow. it? Wow. The whole, the whole thing's on YouTube. It was all in French without subtitles, and I don't speak fluent French, so you know I didn't oui, oui. get a lot of it. No, no. no. <laughs> but I mean, it was more of like, from the sense I got, it was more of like a crime movie with just some like whimsical touches. Right. What I could tell. I mean, he's still dressed as a clown at the beginning. Oh, which is okay. Weird, but and is she and still I think pregnant? It, I don't know because I don't speak. <laughs> Maybe the baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dom yeah, La Femme, the baby. This is what if it feels like to, to be that taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> if people do want to check it out, it's all on YouTube. You can you can go watch it and uh, yeah, and I think the other big difference from the book, which I think is reflected in that movie, is that it's not like an old seasoned cop like Jason Robards who's after them. It's like the mob or another criminal mm. okay. who, who knows what they did and is chasing them. Cool. A lot of great people worked on this movie, including the cinematographer was Michael Chapman, who shot some great movies, including Hardcore, the Paul Schrader movie <laughs> <laughs> with George C. Scott. And fucking taxi driver oh yeah wow. yeah which is like yeah if you want to get a guy to like shoot the decay of uh, the urban decay of new york in in the 80s to 90s and late 70s that's yeah, the guy get this still guy. haven't had that rain to wash the shit off the street huh <laughs> and there you know there's a good taxi scene in this movie it's true a little racist but yeah Oh, and I, I did want to mention the watch that you guys mentioned earlier. So I read an interview with Howard Franklin where he talks a lot about this movie that he did with Entertainment Weekly. It's a great interview. I recommend anyone interested in this movie checking it out. But, yeah, the thing I wanted to highlight was uh, one of his favorite experiences with this movie and writing the script was uh, he he wrote it in collaboration with Bill Murray. Like, basically, he had this meeting with Bill Murray and they kind of hit it off, but, you know, he didn't know what was happening. And then he said he went on vacation with his family and got home to the hotel one day and said there were a bunch of messages from his agent being like, Bill Murray just wants to do something with you. He likes you. And so he was wor- he'd already started working on, like, one of the projects that he'd pitched to Bill Murray. But Bill Murray called him and someone had shown him the book uh, Quick Change. And he was like, this, this is what I want to do next. So they wrote up Quick Change. But uh, one of the additions they made to the script was this scene with the watch where, yeah, the guy at the bank has this super fancy watch. He gives it to Bill Murray, who wears it for the rest of the movie. 
And apparently, according to Franklin, the reason for that was Bill Murray had in real life this super fancy watch. <laughs> and and it was the kind of He just won't take it like, off. It was Well, it was such a fancy watch that every time it needed to be wound, you needed to take it into the store. Oh my god. And pay them to do it and it was like $150 to have them wind this watch. Wow. So he said he was annoyed that every time he made a movie, he couldn't wear the watch in the movie, so he'd have to take it off during the shoot and then like by the time the movie was done shooting, he would need to get his watch wound. So that was like one of the notes he had for the script was like, can you write this watch into the movie so I don't have to get it wound after making wow. it? Wow. so weird. Can you write my gold <laughs> sneakers into this movie? Because I hate taking off my gold sneakers. <laughs> There's some other funny stuff. I, I saw like there was a junket interview that's still online which they didn't talk about anything that was too interesting though they did ask bill murray even then if he was going to direct again because this is the only thing he ever directed and even back then he was he said i'm out i've made my bones i'm gonna quit now like he did not seem interested (laughs) in directing i think it was just the kind of thing where he's you know he wanted this movie to get made and that's just that's what it took. Well, happened. Yeah, he's also like at the top of his game. I don't know. He's he, Ghostbusters. He's done all these movies, and he's like, "Hey, maybe I like directing." And then he directs, and he's like, "I don't like directing. I'm not, I'm not going to do this again." Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing Franklin talked about in that interview too. Was he's like, you know, he's like Bill was great to work with. He said they had a great time and a great collaboration. But he's like, you know. Bill Murray's all spontaneity. It's like, you know, people will make movies and not know if he's going to show up until he <laughs> arrives on the set. Whereas directing is all about, like, prep work and, you know, yeah. planning and responsibility. So he's like, it, it doesn't, even though they didn't have any problems. Yeah, not as strong as suit, exactly. There's an interesting article that went up this week on Collider by Tom Ryman, who's been a guest on this oh, show yeah. before, talking about this movie specifically, I guess because of the Blu-ray release, and uh, it was a it was a good article. It's all about how you could read this movie as Bill Murray's most autobiographical story because you could because he is a criminal. <laughs> That's how you he's know. been getting getting away with it. He's right there in front of our faces. <laughs> no, but if you see like the city of New York as like Hollywood and show business, mm. uh, and him wanting to get out, and he's like sick of like the bullshit. That, you know, aligns with, like, the vibe Murray had, especially around there, because he, he, after, like, Ghostbusters and The Razor's Edge, he took, like, a four- or five-year break before Ghostbusters 2 and Scrooge, right. which came out right before this movie. So he kind of, he was kind of like, uh, I mean, he had some small parts, but not like a starring role in the same, in a blockbuster like this. So he, you could already see he was kind of, like, you know, uh, starting to shed that... Bill Murray megastar status and like obviously you know we we know now he has got like the 800 number and he has all all of these things mm-hmm. to kind of eschew uh traditional Hollywood but so you could see that I mean also like you know it, it's from the book obviously but like this is a movie that starts with him being a a disenchanted clown mm. a, a, a clown but doctor who... I am Pagliacci <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I, I, yeah, I think yeah, this is a movie about like a guy who just wants to make a bunch of money, sees himself as a clown, and you know 
wants to leave and is sick of people and their bullshit. Yeah, I think there's something there. I think I think, you know, even though a lot of it's in the novel, I think maybe part of the reason why the novel spoke to Murray is because it it did kind of uh, speak to him on that personal level. That makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. There's also there's a good interview Roger Ebert did with Bill Murray when the movie came out. They were together in a hotel room and it began with uh, Bill Murray asking him how do you plan to explain your one-star review of Scrooged? <laughs> <laughs> and then he presses him on that. And? Bill. I feel like I need closure. Well, yeah, man. Oh, they talk about it for like a minute. Ebert said, I was hoping it wouldn't come up. And then Murray said, it wasn't that bad. It had some good stuff in it. Watch it on video. You'll see. Ebert's <laughs> the Scrooge in this scenario. Yeah. He just needs three ghosts uh, to visit him. It was brought up in a recent GQ interview with Bill Murray. Bill Murray hasn't talked a lot about it, from what I can tell, after it came out. But one of the few things he did say about it in that interview was he said, Tony Shalhoub gives one of the greatest comic performances I've ever seen. Aw, that's nice. He did. I mean, I think that's... (laughs) Yeah, that tracks. I mean, he's great in it. I mean, again, problematic as a character. But, I mean, if you're going to get Saturday to do it, get Tony Shalhoub. He's the best. And the only other thing I want to mention about this movie is when the Spike Lee movie Inside Man came out. Oh, yeah. A lot of people talked about the similarities because the the heist in Inside Man is very similar Mm. to what happens here. I don't remember exactly, but it is. Yeah, it's I think Clive Owen and company dress up. They dress up everyone the same or something, and then they escape with the hostages. Well, he well, the. From what I remember, he does. He never escapes, and that's kind of like the that's his he master never plan. Escapes? He doesn't escape. He like makes a little room in the same room behind the lockers, and he makes this little room what? and he hides out there for weeks, and then he leaves. But that's not the same thing at all. No. Quick change. <laughs> Sorry, that didn't help. All right, well, I, I, I haven't <laughs> seen that movie since it came out. Yeah, so. me neither. But that's what I remember from it. Anyway, hmm. I, I, uh, okay, we'll look into that because that doesn't <laughs> sound right to me. But my uh, research has indicated that that they all dressed up the same. They might have, and I might be having a false memory right now. Now that's because what you say sounds familiar, but I feel like that's something else. Maybe is that a different movie? I don't know. Hmm. I remember him is like doing push-ups in like this this one square foot of space or something. Okay, hold on. We're going to look this up? Yeah. Can we just have a viewer call in and tell us? Someone knows. We don't Someone have out there viewers. knows the truth. Uh, yeah, we don't have viewers. You're right. Shit. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he's hiding behind a fake wall that they constructed in the supply room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's different. And it looks like the beginning of the movie looks like he's in like a cell. And you're like, oh, he gets caught. Like, this is how he gets caught. And then at the end of the movie, he's still in the bank. You're like, oh, no. Super so what twist. are people complaining about? That's not the same at all. No. And no Gina Davis. I mean, I, there was a whole, like, NPR segment about how <laughs> similar these movies were. <laughs> Terry Gross. Right. I think it was. <laughs> all right. Well, that's quick change. What do you guys think? Uh, was it rewatchable? Rob, you start. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see this or at least didn't remember seeing this before, but 
and you know it could have gone could have gone either way but i thought there was a lot of like really masterful things in this movie like it plays with tension really well i i love the i mean i love gina davis she's so amazing bill murray's great in this i think his character is sort of interesting because like he sort of tells us about like how they were like super poor and you know um and that's how they that's why they decided to rob this bank. I guess it's I guess maybe it's just like, you know, maybe I just, you know, being super poor want to feel justified if I need to rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> Pick a better costume, man. Pick a better costume. Maybe I, maybe I'll do it as a, as a as a homage to Quick Change, you know. Oh my god, you'd be the Quick Change guy. Yeah, there was a bank robbery near me a couple of weeks ago actually. So, and it, it seems really? like such an antiquated crime, you know, like No, it's it's only because they they only publicize the bank robberies where they get the people. Oh. Apparently like 70 to 80% oh. of bank robberies they never catch the people and they never tell. Why do you know that information, Blaine? I'm calling the cops. Uh, is that a Fabergé egg behind you? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you do kind of look like, like a cat burglar in that okay? shirt. <laughs> Easter differently. Well, you, you would think there would be more bank robberies now because everyone's already wearing masks. No one would think, <laughs> right? I so yeah. So I had to go into a bank and take out a large sum of money in a mask, and they never asked to see my face. It, it was just a weird thing. Interesting. Where, yeah. Do you know a safe Why cracker? Would they ask to see your... <laughs> because they're like, "Can I see your ID to make sure it's oh, you?" Right. And so I gave them my ID. And then they look at my face, and it's like covered in a hat and a big mask. <laughs> right. Like you could be uh, anybody. I could be I taking could, your identity or whatever. I think so. I think so. Interesting. Yeah. And what's your yeah. what's your transit number on your bank account? <laughs> transit. <laughs> That's for deposits, bro. Oh shit! <laughs> I'm not a good bank robber. <laughs> you just keep on giving away your money. <laughs> oh no! But noble in a way, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought I thought uh, this was a great movie, and okay. you know, like just Bill Murray. I think in his this is like I think a great movie in his first period. It's fun to see him do like a really funny comedy. Randy Quaid is really good, and yeah, we make fun of him because he turned into a crazy person, but he was like a very good comedic actor in the eighties and nineties. So it was delightful to see him, and yeah, this movie does have some great acting, some great some. It's really masterfully put together. And uh, yeah, I think it's like a real gem. All right, sweet. I, I'm I'm on the same boat as you, Rob. Can I borrow uh, a gun? <laughs> just for okay. that, just for a thing. Just because I'm on the same boat as you, man. Uh, Jesus. Um, yeah, no, I I love this movie. I've said it before. I'll say it again. God damn it, I love this movie, and um, and it has a lot that's wrong with it. There are a lot of 90s movies and 80s movies. We just talk about all the racism and, and bigotry and sexism that are in these movies. And this movie is no exception. It doesn't feel malicious, except for that one scene where the guy says, you can keep this goddamn city. You feel the animals or whatever. He says uh, when he thinks there are two men together in the washroom. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't talk that, about that. That, 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 feels was... a little, that feels a little mean-spirited. Yeah. But, um, you know, but then he got and, bonked in the head in the airplane anyway. I feel like that yeah. helps a little. But yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of like he's supposed to be like a bad guy, I guess, in this movie, like one of the people that I don't know. So, I'm not going to defend that part, Me but either. I I do really like this movie a lot. Hanging out with Bill Murray and Gina Davis, um giving a great performance, a performance that is better than the part she was given. 
uh, hands down. Uh, Randy Quaid doing some slapstick in there. Tony Shalhoub, amazing. And and just watching this movie being like, oh, oh, that's them. They were from this other thing. It's it's just a kind of cavalcade of, of, uh, of, of actors that you know in a pretty old movie. And it's, you know, if... If you're a hipster like me and you like the comedies and you can be like, oh, you haven't heard of Quick Change, you can show people this movie. It's uh, like Jam said, it's it's kind of that movie where you can say, oh, you haven't uh, – you want a comedy you haven't seen, go to this. I have it on Laserdisc. We're going to need to pause for a minute. You think you're a hipster? Have you seen the shirt I'm wearing? Yeah, but where – I mean, it's a striped shirt from like Old Navy or something. That's not – How the, how the, the hell did you know hipster. that? Um Unless, yeah, it, I got unless you're, you're, uh, oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, so it's Old Navy from a thrift store. Yeah. That's okay. I guess you that's got hip. it. You're a hipster. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. I, I finally made you it. You angel-headed hipster. I'll type out thank you notes on my typewriter later. But um, yeah, I just I just like this movie a lot. If you haven't seen it, see this movie. It's just a fun movie. Uh, JM, take us home. Well, I have uh, first. I want to spend ten to twelve minutes talking about why someone who likes uh, Blink One Eighty Two isn't a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unless it's ironic. Uh, nope, I just like them. No, I, yeah, I love this movie. I mean, I think there is some stuff that's like uh, not not so great in terms of uh, in terms of what we were talking about, and yeah, <laughs> with the the racial politics of uh, of of the way the characters react to, to the crazy, uh, <laughs> the crazy <laughs> ethnic subculture of New York. But I, like you said, I don't think it's mean spirited and I think it's also packaged with a lot of other less problematic vignettes. And I think this movie is also really suspenseful and tense in mm-hmm. parts like that that scene with the titular quick change yeah where bill murray is trying to get on the bus before the cops see him and then that you throw in like the mob guys realize that he's uh, a fraud and and they're after him like is is hard to watch like i was squirming watching it i was so invested mm-hmm. i feel like movies don't play with that anymore like it's become like a lost art to play with tension in that way yeah. yeah, like you don't have that in a comedy anymore. I hear what you're saying. Like usually comedies, like you have 21 Jump Street or whatever, and it's just big explosions. But Re- there's no pop culture references. Exactly. Get a celebrity in here. But it doesn't make you squirm in the same way this did for sure. Yeah, and I, I think it's great. And I also just love, again, that central dynamic of like Jason Robards and Bill Murray being these two parallel characters who – <laughs> who amazingly can get what they both want at the end, even though they seem so like completely at odds with each other at the beginning of the movie. It's a cops and robbers story where both come out the victors, which is kind of amazing. And yes, it involves a lot of like coincidence and happenstance to get there in the end, but it, it's great. It made me feel great to watch. It all works because it, it sort of wraps it up in like the idea of like luck. Like everything is going for them in a sort of supernatural way at the beginning. So when things turn on them all of a sudden and everything goes bad, it feels like it feels like natural almost or like yeah, it, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and like yeah, why wouldn't that mob boss be on their airplane because they, you know, ducked into a 
doorway that happened to be like a mob hideout. Like there are so many crazy. Uh, There's only one doorway <laughs> in New York. Only one flight out of New York. I know. Small and, town. And aren't they Small going Apple. to like a warm area? Like they're going to paradise, right? They're going to like um, St. Martin's or something. And... Going to like sandals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. But like the mob boss was coming back into town to clean up the neighbor. I don't. I don't even know why he'd be leaving right now. There's also, like, yeah, along those same lines, like, my favorite joke in the movie by far is said by Gina Davis. And it was the most memorable one when I was a kid. And that was uh, when they see the plane taking off. And Randy (laughs) Quay says, is that our plane? And she says, no, if that were our plane, it would be crashing. (laughs) That's my favorite joke. Yeah. And I I did read, I can't remember which review it was, but uh, there was a glowing review that came out at the time that was saying, like, you know, not only is this, like, a funny Bill Murray movie, like, Bill Murray has all these great Bill Murray jokes and he directed it and this was his project, but, like, he is pretty charitable in terms of, like, like, that could have been his joke. Right. But it's way funnier that it's Gina Davis. Well, yeah, and he also could have cast, I mean, like, the convention is to cast uh, an actress who doesn't have, like, the presence to potentially upstage the male actor. Like, you know, it's like what it could be like one of these rotation of women who you basically never see or hear from again, you know, in the 80s or 90s. Mm-hmm. But, like, picking Gina Davis, somebody who is, like, so good and also, like, holds her own. I mean, mm-hmm. it's great. I mean, it just yeah, having those two people to spar with each other is, you know, awesome. Though it would have been kind of great if they also cast Kim Cattrall <laughs> to reprise her role. Speak a little bit of uh, French, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week on Rewatchability. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and if you can like us and subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you listen to with, uh, that would be helpful as mm-hmm. well. Uh, there's also Patreon. There's also rewatchability at gmail.com. There's also the speak pipe on rewatchability.com. There's a lot of ways to let us know, uh, what you think about these movies. How are, how are you doing? Yeah. Let us know, man. We're worried about you. Yeah. Yeah. We're concerned. Yeah. The world's gone to <laughs> shit. Uh, we haven't checked in in a while. Like you guys. Okay. Just give us a call. It's okay. <laughs> Don't call us. 